0: final take.
1: You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
0: You're on the line here on ESPN 1067 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Hour number one officially underway here on ESPN 1067 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Partly cloudy, partly sunny, but my goodness, it's hot out there today in the auburn Opelika area. I haven't looked at the temperature, but it's got to be in the 90s, right? It's got to be. It is extremely hot, and luckily, the sun is not just beating down, but let's see. It says it's 88, feels like 91, so there you go. It's hot out there, folks. I got in my truck to go to lunch, and it was like a, a heat wave, it was miserable, but that's what you get. It's middle of May. We're ending, or getting near the end of May. That's what you get. You get heat here in Alabama. It's going to be a long, hot summer, folks, so go ahead and buckle in and get ready. But other than that, hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, May 18th, on this Wednesday afternoon. I appreciate you joining me here on the Wednesday edition Of on the line if you want to call in be a part of the show i'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 you could call in be a part of the show talk about anything you want to talk about related to sports again you can give me a call let's talk about it you have comments questions concerns about anything I talk about today, anything going on in the sports world, give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334 321 1390 or toll free at 888 382 7502. And want to talk today about an event that happened last night that affects some Auburn basketball players. The NBA draft lottery was last night. Uh, It went down right before game one of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. It was the NBA draft lottery. And basically how it works is each team that gets one of the top 15 picks, they have a certain percentage of their percentage of the chances that they get to get the number one pick basically is how it works and you know so it happened last night they do the lottery it it really is a lottery and they establish picks 15 through one who's going to get the first pick second pick third pick all the way through the 15 and again you have a percentage chance of getting the first pick and you could trade picks and you get other picks from other teams. You know how that part of it works, but the lottery was last night. The picks are set and the order is also set. And that is what's important with the upcoming 2022 NBA draft. It should be in June. I believe I believe that's when the draft. Yeah, it'll be on Thursday, June 23rd. So that's the first day of the NBA draft. And as you all know, we should see one of our home, one of our home guys, one of our Auburn basketball players get drafted very, very early on that Thursday evening. Jabari Smith. He has a chance to be a number one overall pick. Uh, I think he will no doubt be a top three overall pick in the upcoming NBA draft but how did the draft order being established last night how did that affect where Jabari Smith goes and at what number how did it change that how does it change the the team's thinking of who they want to take we're going to talk about it here on the Wednesday edition of on the line first of all we'll talk about what the order is in the draft lottery and in the NBA draft coming up what's the order Who picks first through 15th? We're going to talk about that. And then, which teams in this order, since they do have some of the first couple of picks, obviously they need it, right? There's a reason they're picking first, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever, because they need the help. But which one of those teams is going to be good in a couple of years? Which one's going to use some of these picks and actually become a good team? We're going to talk about that as well. Obviously... I'm going to give you my picks of where's Jabari Smith going to get drafted, at what spot and to what team will Jabari get drafted. Also, what about Walker Kessler? Where could he get drafted in the upcoming NBA draft? So we're going to talk about all of that here in this segment, probably carrying over into the next segment as well. So buckle in, strap in, because it's going to be a great conversation talking about the NBA draft lottery and where we could see some of Auburn's players go in the NBA draft this year. So established last night, the Orlando Magic, they have the first overall pick in the upcoming 2022 NBA draft, followed by the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Houston Rockets, the Sacramento Kings, and the Detroit Pistons. That is your top five in the upcoming NBA draft. To wrap out the rest of it, Pacers, the Indiana Pacers at six, the Portland Trail Blazers at seven, the New Orleans Pelicans at eight, San Antonio Spurs nine, the Wizards 10, the Knicks 11, the Thunder get another pick in the lottery. They're at the number 12 pick, the Hornets at 13, and the Cleveland Cavaliers at 14. So, those are your top 14 picks and obviously the rest of it is filled out. You can find that online where, you know, you can find it on I'm on nba.com. That's where you can look at the entire draft order. And I think what's important is the top 3 and I would say the bottom 4 or 5 in the first round and the first 4 or 5 in the second round. And the reasoning because again, Jabari Smith, we expect him to go one, two, or three in the first round, and then Walker Kessler, I expect him to go late first round, early second round. So depending on what team is up, who is still available, what team needs what position group, that is where somebody can take either Jabari Smith or Walker Kessler in the upcoming NBA draft. But when you look at the order right now, when you look at the order and when you look at some of the teams that are up there, you have the Orlando Magic, right? They have Chuma Okiki already. They've gotten some draft picks over the years. I think this team is right there. I think they're missing that one one piece maybe for them to start becoming good again. They've been down for a long time, the Orlando Magic, but they're. it seems like they're just missing that one piece. They've got a lot of young talent. Again, they have Chuma Okiki, who has been a fantastic player for them since being drafted a few years ago, of course, playing at Auburn. And I think he's developing into a fantastic young player in the NBA. He was one of the first to go from Auburn and to show that an Auburn player can actually go to the NBA and be successful. And we look for him to get better. We look for him to improve in his game and his, you know, his build and everything like that because you want him to represent Auburn well. Because how cool is it to see Chuma Okiki, Isaac Okoro, those types of guys in the NBA, and you can say, yeah, they played at Auburn. How cool is that, right? We are entering that stage and that phase of the Auburn basketball program, and we're about to see two more. We're about to see Jabari Smith. We're about to see Walker Kessler both go to the NBA. I think Jabari obviously will be more of an instant impact type of player. He will be a day one starter. We talk about and use those terms quite a bit. But Jabari is going to be drafted in the top three. And when you get drafted that high, it's because the team needs you and they need you right then, right now. And more than likely, you will be a starter when you walk through the door. You are going to be the face of the franchise when you show up. Walker Kessler, on the other hand... I think he will be drafted late first round, possibly early second round. Could drop to late second round, but I don't see him making it or dropping past the second round. But when somebody gets drafted there, you become more of a role player until you develop into the player that they want you to be. And In the NBA, obviously, they can develop players. That's what they do. You come into the league, you're still young, you are still got some things to work on, but the NBA can help you fix that. NBA teams can help you fix that. Look at guys that have been drafted. Look at Giannis, one of the best players in the NBA. He was a skinny twig when he showed up, and nobody really knew who he was, what he could do. He put on some muscle, picked up a jump shot, and now he's one of the best players in the NBA. That is what you are going to see with some of these Auburn players, I think. And so looking at the teams, really the top four, you could say, really the top four, the Orlando Magic, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Houston Rockets, and the Sacramento Kings, those are the four teams that are going to have the chance to take Jabari Smith in this NBA draft. I don't see him falling farther than that. I think there's a really good chance he goes number one overall. I really do. I think he's a good enough player, but I think the top three guys are all good enough. You're, you're talking about Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Bancaro from Duke. I think those three guys could all go number one, and people would say, yeah, that makes sense. But what does, what does the Orlando Magic need? What does that organization need as a player? It really just depends. And when you look, they've got a guy like Chuma Okiki who is lengthy, can shoot, can also dribble a little bit, but still has room to improve. That's what Jabari Smith is, too. And I think pairing those two up could be a really good combo, a little combo wombo, right? I think you could pull something off like that, because Jabari can shoot the basketball. We know that. We know he can shoot. He's got some other things to work on that I'll talk about in a little bit, but... I think those two could pair up really well. And a lot of young talent on that team for them to really all come together and grow as a team, I could see the Orlando Magic doing something like that and really being good. But no matter where Jabari goes, he's going to instantly make that team better. He's a scoring threat, he's a dominant player, and he still has room to grow. I think that's what is the most important aspect when drafting Jabari Smith. There's still a lot of room to grow the other players are like that too, Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bancaro, but I think the upside with Jabari Smith is higher than, than all of them. Paolo Bancaro's right there too. I think both of those guys have a lot to offer down the road for NBA franchises. Chet Holmgren, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I could see him struggling in the NBA. I'm going to be honest. I could see him struggling in the NBA. And the reason I say that is, You know, he was so good in college, but he's that skinny, lengthy type player. He's a big, but I just see him getting bodied in the NBA and not adjusting well. I could be wrong, but that is my prediction for him. But what's good about Jabari Smith and Paolo Banquero is their upside. And so, will it be the Orlando Magic? Will it be the Oklahoma City Thunder? Will it be the Houston Rockets? Something that's interesting when you look at Jabari Smith and a lot of the, the NBA draft boards and a lot of people talking about player comparisons for Jabari Smith who is the name that's popped up the most it's Kevin Durant who's the second team in the draft order the Oklahoma City Thunder you know where Kevin Durant got drafted to that organization it was the Seattle Supersonics of course they moved to Oklahoma City but it was that organization how cool would that be to see Jabari Smith who has been compared to a Kevin Durant get drafted to that exact same team that would be pretty cool That could also happen, because it depends on who Orlando takes. Does Orlando want Jabari Smith, who can shoot the basketball with a lot of upside? Does Orlando want Paolo Banquero, who's a strong finisher at the rim, a playmaker, but still has upside? Or, do they want a guy in Chad Holmgren, who's 7 foot tall, and can finish at the rim? It depends on what these teams want, but... When you look at these three teams in the top three, or really even in the top five of the draft order, which one of them is going to become good down the road? I think it's going to be Orlando. I really do. I think their young talent will carry them down the road, and I think Jabari Smith will help them. I think he gets picked number one overall. I think Jabari on, what day did I say? Thursday, June 23rd? I think Jabari Smith is going to be your first overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. The first time ever that an Auburn player was picked number one overall, right? How cool is that going to be? Right now, Isaac Okoro being picked fifth from the Cleveland Cavaliers is the highest that an Auburn player has ever been drafted. That's about to get topped, no matter if if Jabari goes one, two, or three. That's about to get topped. But where could Jabari go? I mean, he could go to any of these three teams. Orlando, Oklahoma City, Houston possibly fall down to four, but I really don't see it. I really don't see it. My prediction Jabari Smith gets drafted number one overall on Thursday, June 23rd, by the Orlando Magic. I think they want the young guy. I think they want a shooter. They want somebody they can develop, pair with their other young core. And I think Orlando is going to be good in the next five to six years. I really do. I think they're going to be good. I think it's good for their, all of their, their young guys to grow together and get better together. And why not add a guy like Jabari Smith, a stone-cold killer who can knock down a shot when you need it, who also can develop, put some weight on, and finish at the rim as well. I think that's all big time. I think that's all big time. I think Orlando or Oklahoma City would be the best fit. Houston, I'm not too sure. I'm not a big fan of the Houston Rockets organization over the past five or six years just because of how far they have fallen and what they have done, which is borderline nothing. And I'm just not a big fan of them. I don't want Jabari to go there because I don't know if he could be successful there. Not because of him, but because of the organization. The other two, Orlando and Oklahoma City, I think Jabari Smith could do really well. I think he could do really, really well. Either one of those teams would be just fine. I feel the same way about Sacramento as I do with Houston. I just don't know where he could go with Sacramento or Houston. I feel like there's just no room for him to grow. He may be able to get a little bit better as a player, but he's going to see such little success that it may, it may hold him back. Whereas if he goes to somewhere like Orlando, I, I'm telling you, I think this Magic organization is going to get better and better and better over the next four to five years and that's going to benefit Jabari if the team's playing better you will play better as an individual and you're going to get better with the young guys on that team I think that's the best place for Jabari Smith to go is Orlando I hope that's where he goes pair him up with Chuma Okiki how cool would that be two Auburn guys playing on the same team possibly on the same starting five how cool would that be how cool would that be Let's take a break. When we come back, what about Walker Kessler? Where could he go? What would be the best fit for the big man coming out of Auburn? We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of On The Line. Welcome back into On The Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports, Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Talking about the NBA draft lottery and where we could see Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler go uh, in June, late June. It's Thursday, June 23rd is round one of the 2022 NBA draft and talked about how Jabari Smith, I think he's going to go number one overall. I think he should go number one overall. I think he can go to the Orlando Magic, which I believe is going to be a successful organization in the next four to five Years. I really do. I think their young talent is going to carry them a really long way down the road. It's not going to be immediate, but down the road, I really do think Orlando could become relevant again in the NBA. But Walker Kessler, where could he go? Because we know Jabari Smith is going to be a top three draft pick. We know that. That is, I mean, it, that's almost a guarantee. That's almost a guarantee. But what about Walker Kessler? Where could he go? In the NBA draft, and what teams could he go to? I predict him to be late first round, early second round. Okay. And when you look at the bottom five in the first round and the top five in the second round, you've got Dallas, Miami, Golden State, Memphis, and Phoenix. And then the first five in the second round, Houston, Orlando, Detroit in Oklahoma City. Now, some of those picks have been traded. So the Phoenix pick has been traded to Oklahoma City. The Houston pick has been uh, traded to Indiana. There's a lot of craziness going on, especially later on in the draft. Teams start trading like three or four different times the same pick. I don't know how they keep up with it, but trying to keep up with it here on, on the NBA website. So you're looking at teams like Orlando, Oklahoma City, Detroit, Toronto, You know, there's a lot of different teams floating around here. But where could Walker Kessler go and be successful? That's the biggest issue. That's the biggest thing we're worried about. Because what we don't want to see is Walker Kessler get drafted into the NBA and not get his chance and not improve and flame out over time. That's not what we want to see from Walker right we want to see him go to the NBA be successful represent Auburn well and make a lot of money and you know compete for NBA championships all of that right that's what we want to see with every Auburn player that goes to the league obviously but with Walker it's a little bit different because he's gonna have a harder path than Jabari Smith that's just how it is but Jabari's a better player so that makes sense and they're different styles of players too So where could Walker go and be successful? I think Golden State would be a great place for him to go. You would get drafted to a team that's already good, right? That's the good thing about going late first round is you're going to a team that's already good, but can you find some rotation minutes on a team like that? I think you can. I really do. I think you can because if you look at Golden State and you look at what type of offense they play, you know what they do. They run and shoot a lot of threes. Walker can get up and down the floor. And what's one thing that we've talked about that Walker Kessler has to get better at? It's shooting the three ball. It's shooting the three ball because look at the center position in the NBA. Yes, you have to be able to play on the block and, and hit turnaround faded jumpers and, and finish at the rim, but the big man's got to be able to step out now. He's got to be able to step out and hit some threes. Joel Embiid does it. Nikola Jocic does it, right? The big-time MVP winners at the center position, they can knock down the three. Walker's going to have to do the same thing if he wants to be successful in the NBA. And so when you look at the roster for Golden State, they have a few centers, technically, but they're a very small team. They're a very small team. I mean, Draymond Green plays their center position a lot of times, folks. They're a small team team Kevon Looney and Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga like they play small Andre Iguodala he sometimes plays their five spot so I think the Warriors could be a fantastic spot for Walker Kessler to go they have the 28th pick in the first round of the 2022 NBA draft I think that would be a fantastic place for him to go possibly go to Memphis and get paired up with with John Morant the point guard, right, go to Memphis and get paired up with some of the other players that are there who can make Walker Kessler better? That's the biggest thing. Can he find a team in an organization that can make him better and can use him? Because if he doesn't get used, they're going to trade him or release him and whatever. He's got to get better, he's got to find rotation minutes, and he's got to get used. I think Golden State would be a fantastic place for him to go. Will they use their first-round pick on him? I don't know. And so when you start looking at some of the second-round teams, Orlando's right there, Oklahoma City's right there, Indiana, Toronto, Orlando again, Portland, There's some teams on there that he could find some success. And there's got to be, you know, you got to weigh both options. Does he go to a good team where he's going to struggle to find minutes? Or does he go to a lesser team where he may get some more minutes, but he may not be developed as well, right? There's different ways to look at it. But I think one of the best fits for Walker Kessler really would be Golden State. I think that would be fantastic for him to do if he could get drafted by the Warriors. Obviously, he doesn't really get a say in that, but. I think that would be a fantastic place for him to go. I think Jabari Smith goes top three. I think he's the first pick taken off the board in the NBA draft come June. I think he goes to the Magic. I think he's going to be successful. I hope he becomes successful, and I think he will be. Walker Kessler, it's going to be a lot more work for him, unfortunately. Can he do it? I don't know. But there's two things that I want to say, one about each, each player before we head to our next break. For Jabari Smith to be successful in the NBA, he's going to have to to get better. Yes, he's a fantastic player. He's a fantastic shooter. But he's going to have to do more than that. You can't just shoot and be good in the NBA. Kevin Durant doesn't just shoot. He can finish at the rim. He can also handle the basketball. He can also rebound. He can also make the right play. That's what Jabari is going to have to become, I think. Jabari is going to have to be consistent with shooting. He's also going to have to be able to dribble the basketball. He can't look like a baby deer dribbling the basketball up the floor anymore, folks. He can't do that. He's going to have to figure out his handles and how to take the ball from point A to point B, coast to coast. He's going to have to finish at the rim. He's going to have to be able to put the ball on the floor. He's not going to be able to to do that turnaround, fadeaway jumper from 18 feet out and expect that to work in the NBA. Yes, that can be an effective shot, but not every time. Not every time. And if that's all you do, then people are going to figure it out. The NBA's got the best players in the world. They're going to figure you out real quick. You've got to keep them on their toes and be able to do multiple things. So Jabari, he's got to develop the rim game. Okay, He's got to be able to handle the basketball and finish at the rim. For Walker Kessler, it's going to be a struggle. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. It's going to be a struggle. I don't think, and I'm not saying this because I don't like Walker or that he's not a good person because I don't know any of that. I love Walker Kessler. I think he did fantastic things for Auburn. But I think he's going to struggle in the NBA. I I think he will. I think he's going to struggle in the NBA to find minutes. I think he's going to struggle to find more dangerous parts of his game. Because, yeah, he's tall, but that doesn't really get you a whole lot in the NBA. Everybody's tall in the NBA. Being tall is not a good attribute. It doesn't make you, it doesn't make you stand out away from everybody else in the NBA. He's going to have to find something good that he can do besides rebounding and finishing over people. It's going to have to be the jump shot, folks. He's going to have to be able to step out and shoot the three. I think Walker Kessler struggles in the NBA, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I want him to be good. I just think Walker Kessler is going to struggle. I don't know a time frame on how long he'll be there. Who knows, right? But I think he's going to struggle in the NBA. But I think Jabari Smith goes number one overall to the Orlando Magic, and I think he has a fantastic NBA career. Stay tuned, Scott Bagwell, the Auburn High School Football and Baseball play-by-play announcer. He'll be joining us right after this break. Stay tuned. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins, halfway through hour number one. Right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama on 98.3. Up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Happy to welcome in Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School football and baseball play-by-play announcer. Scott, I know that... The season is over for Auburn High baseball and it ended in dramatic fashion. Talk about the three games uh against Central that Auburn fell 2 to 1 in the series in the state semis.
2: Yeah, it was uh it was uh, one of the best series in the state, I would say. If not the best uh in in the semifinal action. Uh 2-1 run games on uh day 1. Uh you know, Auburn, I'm sure they're, you know, Auburn's a pitch away from sweeping uh, up two nothing bottom of the seventh. Two runners on, two outs, and a fastball caught too much of the plate, and uh, and and a pinch hitter hit the ball over the fence and gave Central the win. Auburn battled back and uh, able to get a dramatic walk off victory of their own to win three two um, on kind of a uh, an impromptu hit and run with Cade Ballou stealing. Third on the play, and then Ryan Olson got the ball on the ground to the right side, and Coach Simo didn't hesitate, sent Cade uh, to to score from third on the bang bang play. And then in Game Three, Auburn uh, had opportunities early to put some runs on. They they scored a little bit, but not as much as they probably had opportunities to, and then uh, made a mistake to give Central a three two lead, and then Central finally broke through in the sixth to add on to the lead to. Uh, clinch the series and move on to play for a state championship this weekend against hewitt Trustville.
0: and scott in game one like you talked about auburn was cruising right along seventh inning came around and auburn had the lead everything seemed to be okay it's almost like we were just waiting on the game to end and then just like that the game was over and central had won i mean what you know what happened was it a a mental thing or just one of those things in baseball
2: you know, it's baseball. It went, it went, um, single walk at that point in time, two on, nobody out. And now you're like, okay, you know, that's when the, the, the feeling of something big could happen starts, but then you get a fly out and a strikeout. And then you're like, oh, okay, here we go. Pitch hitters coming in. You're like, okay, let's, you know, if you can attack them, get ahead in the count, you like your chances, get down on the count two Oh, and he was sitting on fastball and got one, um, Got one that he can handle and, and, and he hit it over the fence. It, it's baseball, you know. You can sit back and you can second guess, you know, wh- you know, what, what should have happened? Do you change pitches? But Ryan Olson was cruising, you know. Um, he, you know, he was throwing a shutout up until that last pitch, you know. Um, it, it was one of those things where up until the fifth inning, fourth or fifth inning in game three, Central never led at the end of an inning the whole series outside of the end of the seventh inning in game one. So it's uh it's one of those weird things where, you know, if you look at who led most of the game, it's probably even. Auburn took the lead, I think, in the fourth or the fifth in game one, since the leads, you know, off to the swing. Auburn would take the lead in the bottom half of an inning since it would answer in game two and then Auburn finally walked it off and then it was you know, Auburn would score. Central would score. I think Central scored at the bottom of the second in Game Three, and then Auburn scored top of the third until Central came took the lead in the fourth. It, you know, just one of those things where it was two evenly matched teams that went that went toe to toe. Central made a couple of more plays, um, and uh, that that was the difference in the game, our difference in the series
0: talking to Scott Bagwell Auburn High School football and baseball play-by-play announcer in game 2 against Central the walk-off win for Auburn High you had a legendary call being the play-by-play announcer how was that call and how was that moment for you being a play-by-play announcer
2: It was uh it was interesting because of where we were set up down the third base line it was unfolding right in front of me normally if you're behind home plate you're going to have to have eyes in two places. You're going to have to see the ground ball to the second baseman and the hole along with what's going on at third. But because we were down the third base line, I could see Cade take this – Cade get his good jump. And on, when the ball gets on the ground, my eyes kind of immediately went to Coach Simo and what were they going to do. And I saw him waving them around, and I knew right then and there that, that we were going to have a play at the plate. And it was going to take a perfect throw, perfect catch, perfect tag – uh, to get Blue, who was on the move, and he never he never hesitated. It's almost like he knew when he heard the sound and he saw the ball down because I think he peeked uh, back to it. To uh, it's one of those things where you're on the move. If they hit a line drive, whatever, you're out. There is no stopping it. Um, and he saw Coach Sima waving him around, and um, you know it. Uh, he was safe at the plate, and, and um, I, to be honest with you. Don't really know what was going through my mind. I was just trying to to, to get the action out there as uh, as it was unfolding.
0: Well, Scott, it gives you know it gives me chills being a play by play announcer myself. Those are the the moments in the games that you dream about being a part of, especially in the state semis uh, for Auburn High. Obviously, you were not able to be there for Game Three uh, when Auburn fell to Central six to two, but. You know, now that the season has ended for Auburn High in a heartbreaking fashion in the state semifinals, what's your overall feeling of this past baseball season with Auburn High?
2: Puts uh, Auburn High's perspective, like you know, I I refuse to call a season that ends in the final four a failure. Uh, I I can't do it. Um, you know when it. Kind of like when you play in the SEC, if you're going to brag about how good your conference is and Auburn plays, and for me, what is the toughest area in the state? Um, you you can't brag about it and then expect to win or be upset when you lose. Like when you lose to an area opponent like Central, um, you know, you it, it, that's part of of playing in the area. You know, if you're going to play in the SEC and brag about the SEC being the toughest league and, and college football college baseball whatever you you can't be upset and you can't be you know you can't take it as a failure when you know you get beat um auburn had some ups and downs uh they they had an injury that was pretty big that they had to overcome in march and uh you know i think they ended the season like 30 and eight something like that um it it was an it was an impressive year to, to and also it's so tough to repeat everybody you were going to get everybody's you know best you and and Auburn took that all year long and, and took it in stride and uh, and now you know it, it's a it's a message back to everybody that's returning that you know it's tough to do when you look at the starting projected nine however you want to look at it for next year. You have two players that played on that state title team from last year. Everybody else, there might have been some guys on the team, but they weren't starters. Henry Allen and Connor Cosby are going to be the guys that were starters. You had a couple other guys that were on the team, but it's going to be a. There are some guys that are there and and, and have the ability to step up, but it's a it's it's gonna it's 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 going to be interesting to see because you're also talking about two four-year starters that have graduated and moving on. You have a couple of you know, starters for more than a year, so there's a lot of talent and a lot of wins that are graduating from Auburn High this year.
0: Talking to Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School football and baseball play-by-play announcer, I'm glad you started talking about what next year's team is going to look like because that's the question I was going to ask. This team has... Three, four, five guys committed to play high level division one baseball. What's gonna be how's this team gonna look differently next year compared to this year?
2: Well, I mean, if you look at the starting eight in the field, your first baseman's back, your second baseman is back, you gotta find a shortstop and a third baseman. Now there are people ready. Jay Snorton probably moves over to play short, Tanner Waldrop probably moves in to play third. You gotta find a catcher, you gotta find a left fielder. There are people there poised to step in. Now also, you look at the fact that you had a starter go 9 and 2, 10 and 2, something like that, and Ryan Olson, who threw, I think, upwards of 180 innings in his career. You got to replace him. And you got Griffin Stewart, who went undefeated on the season. Um, and also, the guy that is most primed to fill that role, you don't know how healthy he's going to be next year in Patrick Davidson. So uh, there are some some question marks going into the season. And, um, uh, you know, you're going to have to have some guys that are going to have to step up and, and took maybe didn't have as many at-bats uh, this year, but they're going to have to be ready to go. Um, we saw that this year. Griffin Stewart didn't throw a lot of innings, but he, he blossomed into a fantastic senior year. Um, you know, Pope and, and Wall also had good solid seasons. And so Auburn's going it, to – it's the step that every player has to make from their junior year if they're back up to being ready to go and play and start their senior year. Um, There's still talent on this team, but they, they're definitely going to have to figure some things out going forward.
0: And, and Scott, when you talk about the rest of this baseball tournament, it's down to the state finals. It's Central and hewitt Trustful, two of – Probably the three best teams in the entire state. What's your quick prediction uh, for this series between Central and hewitt trust for the state title?
2: You know, Hewitt's got a pitcher that you always assume means it's one nothing, and with Riley Quick, uh, they have a lot of talent. Central has a lot of talent. Um, two good staffs. I think the advantage goes to Hewitt. Their their staff has been there, and they've won a state championship. Um, you know they played for a state championship back in 2018. Not sure how many players are there, um, but on the flip side, Central's beat Hewitt. Now that was at the end of a tournament. I think it was Game Four or Five in Day Two or Three. So you were kind of at the bottom of the barrel there. But but that means that if it goes to a Game Three, Central has a whole lot of um, Central's got a whole lot of confidence going into that third game. Uh, both teams have had to win a Game Three. In the playoffs to get there, um, I, I, I think that a slight advantage goes to Hewitt trustville but I think it's going to be a one heck of a series with a lot of talent uh, on the field. Um, you know, uh, they're they're the top four hitters for Central as good as, as anybody in the state with Yoxheimer, Caleb Johnson, uh, Landon Russell, and and Brody Caps. Uh, Landon Russell on the mound, we saw it for Auburn. When he has his good fastball and the good off speed, he's as good as anybody in the state as well. So, um, you know, and Bryce Sanders has put up good numbers all year long as well for Central. So, it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm interested to see with this with the tournament not in Montgomery, it's in Oxford and and uh, it's in Oxford and Jacksonville State. I'm interested to see who shows up. Well, Hewitt. Historically, travels very, very well. I know that they had the most attended series in the state uh, against Vestavia. So I think it'll be a great series, but I think it's, it's a slight advantage, uh, not by much to Hewitt.
0: Talking to Scott Bagwell of Auburn High School football and baseball play by play announcer. You are the football play by play announcer. And now that baseball is over, football practice, summer camps will be kicking off uh, in just a few weeks. What are some early expectations for Auburn High football?
2: Well, Auburn High has a spring game tomorrow against Ufala. You can catch that action on YouTube, uh, uh, the channel of AHS Mass Media. Jack Hudson is going to have the call. Uh, normally during the spring, I help out with spring football. Uh, since I coach eighth grade football, I, I just help out uh, as uh, the varsity staff tries to, to narrow down the number of kids and, and just try to help out as much as I can. Um, but you got to replace a lot there, and in particular up front, uh, on offensive and defensive line, and at the receiver position, with Bakari Daly graduating, um, there's there's some talent here as well. But Auburn's got to got to fill it out. The offensive line has looked good during stretches. The defensive the defense in general is going to be fast. But you also have secondary that Auburn needs to needs to uh, to to figure out, in, in particular in the corners, Carson Yancey. And year Pogue both graduated. Auburn's gotta replace those. Auburn's gotta replace the kicking game. Um there's a lot of there's some lot of uh growth that needs to happen. Um but you know, Auburn's had a good couple of weeks. They started spring practice back on May third. It's been a good couple of weeks and then um, you know, they're ready to go out there and and hit somebody else, play a, a pretty darn good Ufala team. And and then now you get some lessons that you need to you find out what's working, what's not working and uh and and go forward and then you have june and july with seven on sevens and everything else to work on some stuff and then get ready for uh for august and then you know auburn plays hoover first game of the year so uh, auburn will find out pretty darn quick how uh how, how good this team could be next year
0: well scott we appreciate you and your time as always Uh, fantastic year for you broadcasting baseball unfortunately it did come up just a little bit short but we look forward to talking to you when uh, football practice gets cranked up over the summer and then into the fall man
2: all right man have a good one
0: that was scott bagwell auburn high school football and baseball play-by-play announcer we appreciate him and his time all season long coming on and talking about auburn high baseball and letting us know what they were doing uh, at the end of the regular season and into state playoffs. Unfortunately, they did fall short in the state semis. But like he said, when you play in probably the toughest area in the state and you're playing some of the best teams across the state, you're not going to win every single time, right? And that's how it goes. And so Auburn High you know fantastic players like i said they've got four or five kids on that baseball team committed to play like high level division 1 baseball two or three of them are committed to play at auburn university so auburn high they've got a lot of talent in all of their sports but baseball comes up just a little bit short but yet again another fantastic season for auburn high baseball we will be talking to scott bagwell when auburn high football gets cranked up in the summer with summer practices i'm going to be talking to you about lee scott as well You know, I am the Lee Scott play-by-play announcer for the Lee Scott Sports Network. So I will be talking a lot about Lee Scott football. We'll be talking about Auburn High football and everything with high school football as that gets closer uh, through July and August. So really excited for that season to come up as well. Let's take our final break here in hour number one. We'll talk about Auburn baseball, Auburn University baseball, that is, and how they got it done last night against Sanford. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports, Central Alabama. Jacob Goins wrapping up our number one of the Wednesday edition of On the Line. If you want to call in, be a part of the show at any time, you can do so. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. It's been a great first hour. We talked about the NBA draft lottery and... The order that the teams will be drafting in the NBA draft in late June talked about where Jabari Smith could go, where I think he will and should go, and also uh, where Walker Kessler could go, and where I think he should go, and also what those two guys need to do to be successful in the NBA once they get drafted. We also just got off the phone with Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School football and baseball play-by-play announcer Uh, We talked about the end of the Auburn High baseball season as they fell just short of a state title in the state semis and also a little preview of Auburn High School football as their spring game is tomorrow tomorrow. And their summer practices will be getting ramped up here in the next few weeks. So really appreciate Scott coming on as he has uh, over the past few weeks. And we will have him on uh, during football season as well to talk about Auburn High. I'll be talking about Lee Scott. So a lot of good uh, high school football talk we'll have right here on on the line uh, come fall. But again, great first hour. If you missed any of it, go find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We've got a couple of minutes before we head out of here for hour number one. We'll be back, of course, for hour number two. But Auburn baseball, they finished up their their non-conference midweek games yesterday. Wow, I struggled to get that one out, didn't I? Auburn wrapped up their non-conference midweek games last night in Hoover, playing at the Hoover Met against Sanford. And look, they got punched in the mouth early. They did. They got punched in the mouth early. Not bad, but they did. They were down early in that in that game. Of course, coming off of the series win against Alabama, the Sunday game where that got rained out, ended up being a no contest. We know the drama around that. But Auburn turned around. They got down uh, early. They got down 2-0 in the first inning. And then Auburn turned around and put 5 on Sanford in the second inning. They added on 3 more runs in the 7th. They gave up 2 in the ninth. But overall, fantastic game for Auburn. They beat Sanford 8-4 in their final midweek game of the year. Auburn had eight runs on 11 hits with one error. Sanford, four runs on 11 hits and no errors. And look, Auburn, they did exactly what they needed to do. You go up there, you win an easy game. You don't have to stress yourself too, too much. And you end up with a great non-conference midweek record. I think they only lost one midweek game all season long, and it was early on to Jacksonville State, if I'm correct. I believe that's who it was. They lost early on to JSU at some point. Yeah, it was It was actually March 29th against JSU at home. They lost that game 5-2. to two. But other than that, Auburn won the rest of their midweek games, and that's big for Auburn's RPI. And they look at that when considering what Auburn – you know, considering Auburn for a regional, uh, hosting a regional, and also hosting a super regional. Auburn is still on the verge of being able to do both of those things, but they pick up the win against Sanford last night. Now they can prepare for Kentucky this weekend on the road. That's it. Hour number one officially in the book. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. Stay tuned.
1: Are on the line live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Seligaga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502.
0: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. Sun in and out of the clouds outside here in the Auburn Opelika area. It's hot though, so make sure you stay careful and uh, stay cool and uh, always check your cars too. That's a big thing. Make sure you do that as well. Uh, but again, stay safe, stay cool when this heat out there. Here on May 18th, 2022, 108 days away from college football, we are. On the way, 108 days until September 3rd, the kickoff for Auburn into the college football season. So 108 days. We count it down every day. We'll be keeping track of it right here on, on the line. If you missed any of our number one, it was a good one. I, I highly suggest you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded there immediately following today's show. Again, just go and search on the line wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to call in, be a part of the show... Call in and talk to me. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Those are the numbers to put you through to me. You can call in, uh, talk about anything you want to talk about related to sports. Ask me a question. Give me your questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to talk about going on in the sports world. Give me a call. I would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888 888- 382 Three eight two seven five zero two. We'll start hour number two like we always do with making headlines. Auburn baseball defeats Sanford last night in their final midweek non-conference game. They win the game eight to four. They go down two nothing in the first. Auburn does was technically the road team. They played in Hoover at the Hoover Met. Auburn went down two nothing in the first inning. They turn around and put five runs on in the second, and Auburn never looked back after that. They pick up the eight to four victory over Sanford. They only dropped one midweek game all year long, which is really really impressive. We talked about it early on in the season back when uh, Noah Gardner was still on the show. Him and I talked about it how. How important it is for Auburn and for good teams in the SEC to win their midweek games because I remember him specifically saying good teams like Tennessee and Vanderbilt and those types of teams, they don't lose midweek games very often. Well, you know what? Auburn said, hey, we're a good team too. We're not going to lose our midweek games. They lost only one, which is big time for RPI rankings and for status, you know, all of that. Auburn did a fantastic job in the midweek this season. They only lost one game to JSU at home back in March, but forget about it. Auburn wins last night against Sanford. They have one series to go at Kentucky this weekend. Game one is starting tomorrow night. That is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series for Auburn on the road at Kentucky. And as of right now, when you look at the standings and when you look at projections, Auburn is not only projected to host a regional, Auburn's in the running to host the next round, the Super Regional, if they were to win that. So Auburn has a lot on the line this weekend. You've got to get the series win. Get at least two. If you can sweep Kentucky, you're feeling really, really good. Heading to Hoover, Try to get some wins up there in the SEC tournament as well. But one game at a time for Auburn baseball. They win last night against Sanford, 8-4 to in Hoover at the Hoover Met. Moving on with making headlines, the NBA draft lottery was last night, and we now know the draft order for the upcoming 2022 NBA draft. When you look at the NBA Draft Lottery, the Orlando Magic, they win the Draft Lottery. They will be the number one overall pick in the upcoming 2022 NBA Draft that starts on Thursday, June 23rd. The Orlando Magic will have the first overall pick, followed by the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Houston Rockets, the Sacramento Kings, and the Detroit Pistons. And that's important because... As you know, Jabari Smith from Auburn, he's going to be a top three draft pick. Which team is he going to go to? Which team wants to take a chance on the young superstar from Auburn University who played in Auburn, Alabama? Who wants to take a chance on him? Because he's got a lot of upside. He's already good, but he can become a lot better in the NBA. Which one of these teams is going to take a chance on him? Also, Which team's going to take a chance on Walker Kessler, Auburn's big man that declared for the NBA draft as well? I think Jabari Smith has a really, really good chance to be number one overall. I think he can, and I think he will go number one overall in the NBA draft. I think he'll get drafted to the Orlando Magic, pair him up with Chuma Okiki and some of the other young prospects on that Orlando Magic team. I like that organization to become relevant again in the next five years. I think their talent can grow together. I think there's a lot of skill on that team. Adding somebody like Jabari Smith, who's a stone-cold killer, is only going to make you better. And as long as they can develop him and make him a better player than he already is, watch out. Orlando can become really good. But if they decide to go another route, such as Chet Holmgren or Paolo Banquero, he could also get drafted to Oklahoma City. I think that would be okay, too. I think that would be okay, too. That's a still, it's still a good team. It's still a good organization. And remember, Jabari Smith has been compared to Kevin Durant. Well, you know where Kevin Durant got his start with the Oklahoma City franchise it was Seattle at first then they moved to Oklahoma City that's where he got his start wouldn't be a terrible place for Jabari Smith to start out either I'm not a fan of him going to Houston just not a fan of what that organization has been doing over the last few years same thing with Sacramento I just don't know if Jabari could ever get out and get good enough to get out of those two franchises I don't want to see him go to those, but at the same time, if he goes top three or four, you're not complaining too much. He's going to get paid and he's going to be the face of a franchise. So no matter where he goes, I hope he gets good. I hope he gets better as a player because obviously he's going to have to. He's going to have to get better to compete in the NBA. Yes, he's a superstar. Yes, he can shoot the basketball, but that's not good enough. That's not going to be good enough. He's got to be able to develop A rim presence. He's got to be able to finish through contact at the rim. He's got to be able to dribble the basketball and be able to be a consistent shooter. If he can do those things over time, it's not all going to happen in one season, but if he can do those things, I think Jabari Smith is going to be a fantastic basketball player, a great reputation and a representation, excuse me, of Auburn basketball in the NBA. Walker Kessler, on the other hand, he's going to have to figure some things out. And, look, he's going to struggle in the NBA. Can he get developed enough and figure out more parts of his game to make him a true threat when he's on the floor? That's what he's got to figure out. How can he be a threat on the floor in multiple ways? You can't be a one-way player. You can't be a one-dimensional player because in the NBA, they'll shut that down, you'll get yanked off the floor, and you'll never touch it again. That's not what we want to happen with Walker Kessler. He's got to go to an organization that can benefit him. He can get better. He's not going to be a day one starter. So he's got to go to a team that is, is focused and committed to making him better and then give him the opportunity to prove himself. I think Golden State, the Warriors, will be a fantastic organization to do that. They have shown how they can develop people through the draft. Their whole team has been through the draft. Look at them right now. They've gotten all of their players from the draft. Steph, Clay, and Draymond, they drafted all of those players. I know they had Kevin Durant. They traded for him, but he's obviously not there anymore. But the three that were there originally, they drafted. They built through the draft, which is the right way to do it, if you ask me. So why not Walker Kessler go to Golden State? I think he would benefit greatly by going out there to the Warriors. I hope so. But I just hope he goes somewhere that is committed to him and that he is able to develop some more of his game and be a successful NBA player. I think he's going to struggle, but I hope that I'm wrong. Moving on with making headlines, speaking of the NBA, the conference finals got underway last night in the Eastern Conference Finals Game 1. The Boston Celtics visiting the Miami Heat, and what a game it was. And it really was a tale of two halves. In the first half, the Celtics were all over Miami. Jason Tatum was doing his thing. He had 20-something points at the half. The Celtics were on a roll. And then the second half hit, and it was a complete 180. Miami turned on the Jets. Jimmy Butler took it personally and said, not in my house. And he turned it on. And in the third quarter alone, the Miami Heat outscored the Boston Celtics 39-14, in the third quarter alone, it was over 10 minutes before Boston even made a field goal. Miami took off. They were on a 22-2 to run at some point, something like that. It was unbelievable. It was a complete Boston Celtics first half and a complete Miami Heat second half. The Heat win game one, 118-107. to They take a one nothing lead in the Eastern Conference Finals. I still have Boston winning this series in six. I have the Celtics winning this series in six games. And I still think that Boston is the better team, but they've got to do something different than what they did in the second half last night. Jason Tatum had six turnovers in the third quarter. That can't happen from your best player. Jason Tatum has got to play all four quarters. The first half, he was fantastic. Second half, Jimmy Butler in the heat got the best of him. And Miami's defense was actually the the more pressured defense. They were the stronger defense last night. I talk about Boston's defense. Miami stepped up, especially in the second half. They locked the Celtics down. They held them to 14 points in the 12-minute quarter, guys. That's insane in the NBA. Miami wins 118-107 to in Game 1. Game 3 is on Thursday, 7.30 on ESPN. Remember, right here on ESPN 106.7. We're carrying the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference Finals games right here on ESPN 106.7. Continuing tonight at 7.30, the broadcast will start. The game will be at 8 o'clock, Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals between the Dallas Mavericks and the Golden State Warriors. Game is at 8. The broadcast will be at 7.30 right here on ESPN 106.7. Make sure you tune in for that. That's going to be a fantastic game. Luka versus the Warriors. It's Steph, Clay, Draymond versus Luka in the, in the Dallas Mavericks, but not just Luka, okay? He's not the only one. Spencer Dinwiddie has been a fantastic role player for the Dallas Mavericks. He dropped 30 in their last game along with Luka, so I think the Mavericks have a really good chance to win this series. Golden State's the favorite, but Dallas has made it this far. Nobody projected them to make it this far. But yet, here we are. Here we are. I like Golden State to win this series. They're going to have to fight for it, though. I like the Warriors in seven here. I like the Celtics in six over in the Eastern Conference. But game one, broadcast starts 730. Game is at eight between Dallas and Golden State in the Western Conference Finals of the NBA playoffs. Moving on. With making headlines, some more playoffs going on. The NHL playoffs continuing as a couple of game ones last night. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the third seed, visiting the one-seed Florida Panthers here in the second round. And Tampa Bay with the upset in the last round against Toronto. They come out and do the same thing. They were down one nothing in the first period. They put on one in the second to make it tie. And then Tampa Bay comes out firing in the third with three with three goals of their own, they beat Florida 4-1 to one on the road, stealing game one. Look, I was shocked. Tampa Bay, I expected them to lose last round. They've now beaten the Panthers in game one. They've stolen it. And this is a huge in-state rivalry. Think about that for a second. You have the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning playing in the hockey playoffs. Two teams from the state of Florida playing in the hockey playoffs. That's kind of weird, isn't it? That's kind of weird. And then game two, or excuse me, the second game of the night last night, game one, it was a barn burner. The Colorado Avalanche, one of the best teams in all of the NHL, they hosted the St. Louis Blues, and it went to overtime. Colorado wins 3-2 in overtime on a game-winning shot. Again, overtime in hockey is fun overtime in the playoffs it's some of the most exciting sports you can watch you're on the edge of your seat you never know what's going to happen you never know when somebody's going to break through and win in overtime because as soon as they score it's over it's a golden goal situation first goal wins an overtime and in the playoffs it just means that much more it's super exciting colorado they're the better team but they had to fight for it last night st louis was playing really really well their goalkeeper uh, Jordan Bennington, he had so he had 51 saves. That's a lot of saves, folks. I know that I you know if you're not a big hockey fan, you may not fully understand how many saves is an average, but 51 is way above average, especially in the playoffs and. He I mean, basically stood on his head for three periods and, and finally was was able to get broken through by Colorado. They win Game 1-3-2 over St. Louis. couple of games tonight, Rangers and Hurricanes Game 1 from Carolina, and then the battle in Canada, the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames Game 1 tonight, both of those games on ESPN. Their hockey coverage has been fantastic, by the way, ESPN. I think I've talked about that before on here, but – their hockey coverage has been really, really good. And I'm really impressed with what ESPN has done with their hockey coverage so far. And our final headline here in the Making Headlines segment. Getting ready for the PGA Championship that will be teeing off tomorrow for all you golf fans. It is the second major of the year. We talked about some of the pairings that are going on this week. You've got Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods teeing it off tomorrow. That's just a fantastic pairing. You've got some of the betting odds coming out. Who's going to win the PGA Championship? Will Rory, will he get the, Will get? Will he get a PGA Championship victory again? Can Jordan Spieth finally finish the career Grand Slam. Will Tiger win another major at his age coming off of such big injuries? Will it be Scotty Scheffler who's been playing the best golf in all of the world? Will he get another big-time victory as he has been playing the best golf across the world? There's a lot of big golfers there. Obviously, Phil Mickelson is not there. That's been the biggest uh, biggest name that is absent this week at the PGA Championship. But lots of storylines, beautiful golf course, It it tees off tomorrow morning. I think ESPN Plus has day one's coverage. They'll have it in the morning, and then ESPN will pick it up in the afternoon. And then I'm not sure who has it over the weekend. But anyway, watch it. I, I promise you it's going to be a fantastic tournament. If you're a golf fan, you already know. If you're not a golf fan looking for something to watch this weekend besides the NBA and NHL, or maybe something to watch before those, watch the PGA Championship. It's the second major of the year. The best golfers are there. The best golf will be played there. And it's going to be super entertaining. I'm not really sure who's going to win. I don't have a pick as of yet. I'll give you one tomorrow on who I think is going to win the PGA Championship. But a fantastic golf tournament, the second major of the year, tees off tomorrow morning early at like 7.30. So get on your computer, call in to work, and tell your boss you can't come in because the PGA Championship is on. Maybe don't tell him that's the reason. Maybe you're sick or something, but we all know that's the reason. We're rolling on here in hour number two of the Wednesday edition of On the Line. If you want to call in, be a part of the show, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888 382 7502 Call in, be a part of the show. I'd love to hear from you. We've talked about the USFL and the lack of, of viewership for what it has been in this first year of the USFL. But another football league has just signed a major TV deal. We'll talk about it on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports, Central Alabama, Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. If you want to call in, be a part of the show, give me your thoughts on anything going on in the sports world, anything I've talked about, I'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. The USFL has been something of um, little conversation in this spring. We talked about it a little bit, uh, you know, about a month or so ago. And when it was first getting cranked up, the first week was really good, right? The first week was successful. Uh, I think quite a few people watched it, but then it just kind of tailed off a little bit, right? Kind of tailed off. I'll be honest, I haven't watched it in a long time. I couldn't tell you anything about it right now, to be honest with you. But they're not the only ones trying to get spring football back. The XFL, you remember them? Yeah, you remember them. They just signed a massive TV deal with Disney and ESPN. So ESPN will be the prime carrier of the XFL when it gets underway. It'll be on ESPN, ABC, all of the affiliates with ESPN and Disney. And that's big time. That's big time because, look, the XFL used to be very successful. And right before COVID... The XFL was actually actually doing pretty good. It was doing pretty good, pretty well, right? It was doing well. It was successful. People were watching it. People were engaged. And then COVID hit, and I mean, just the worst, absolute worst timing for for a football organ or a football league to be getting underway. Obviously, that's one of the very few um, or one of the very minute problems that were caused by COVID obviously but when you talk about just really bad timing for a football league right like that that was I mean but they I mean there was nothing you could do when the world shuts down you can't really play football and the XFL has rebounded they've responded and they are back and they signed a massive TV deal with again with ESPN and ABC they will be the the main carriers of the XFL games. And, you know, it, it comes back to the conversation, can spring football be successful? I just don't know. I just don't know if it can. I don't know. There's so much going on in the spring that why would, why would somebody watch spring football when there's other things to watch on TV, especially when you start in March or April? Because you've still got college basketball, baseball gets underway, NBA and NHL are coming down to the wire for the, in, for the playoffs, you have all of these things going on, golf is going on, UFC and all of that is still going on, so how can spring football compete with other leagues? I just don't know if it can, but if anybody can do it, it will be the XFL, right, If anybody's going to be able to be successful with spring football, it's going to be the XFL because, like I said, like I said, before COVID, they were actually doing okay. They were actually, like, being productive and making money and being good content and creating good content. So if anybody can do it, it'll be the XFL. But it returns in 2023. It'll be... All through ESPN and through their broadcasting networks, ESPN, ABC, FX, uh, probably ESPN Plus. Which I don't know. I don't know if they want to go through ESPN Plus because how many people are going to pay for ESPN Plus to watch the XFL? I don't think it's going to be that many. Now, if you already have ESPN Plus, then maybe you could use it to watch XFL. But I just don't know if many people are going to pay for it just for the XFL but you know they tried to come back in 2020 it didn't work but now you've got Dwayne the Rock Johnson who has been putting a ton of money into this organization into the rebound and the reboot if you will of the XFL and that's a pretty good gig to get to get the the contract with ESPN and so you know that your games are going to be on the best sports channel that there is right like the biggest one if you will you may not it may not be the best to you but it's definitely the biggest and so your games are going to be on ESPN on ABC which everybody in America gets because that's just a local broadcast channel so if it's going to work it's going to be the XFL i don't see the USFL being successful for very long because again how many of you are watching it right now how many of you were watching it while it was big right it's just not really working that well because it has to compete with so much other stuff that it's hard to be successful. But if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be the the XFL. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is behind it. That's a big name to have funding this this football league. So well, I watch it, I'm going to be honest, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I will or not. It's really hard for me to get into it again Because there's so much other sports on at the same exact time. At the same time. Now, if they're on during the summer, that's different. A summer football league might be able to survive. Because all you have to do is compete with baseball. You could do that. But I think spring football will struggle. But we'll see. We'll find out. Stay tuned. How can Auburn and Bruce Pearl continue to put guys into the NBA? We'll talk about it on the other side of this break. Welcome back into On The Line here on ESPN 1067 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. 30 more minutes left in hour number two here on the Wednesday edition of On The Line. If you want to call in, be a part of the show, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you missed any of today's show, just search On The Line wherever you get your podcast it'll be uploaded immediately following today's show so again just search on the line wherever you get your podcast we've talked a lot today about the nba draft lottery and what to expect uh from auburn and jabari smith and walker kessler where we can expect them to go and you know will they be successful in the nba I gave my my two cents on that. So if you missed that, you can go and find that as well. But, you know, here's, the, here's another question related to that. Will we continue to see Auburn put players into the NBA? And not just get guys to the NBA, but produce quality talent to the NBA that is long-lasting in the pros? What do you think? Do you think this is something that Auburn can sustain is it something that Bruce Pearl can continue to do, or do you think we may be see, seeing the end of it? I'm curious to see what you have to say. 334 321 1390. Look, I think Auburn has hit a point as a program where they are going to continue to get the best of the best talent when it comes to high school recruits, when it comes to the transfer portal, and all of that. I think Auburn basketball was in a fantastic spot. I think that's why you saw Bruce Pearl sign the major contract that he did because Auburn believes in him and he believes in Auburn. And I think that those two factors are extremely important here. And look at where he has taken Auburn in a short amount of time. Auburn was a laughingstock. Auburn was the bottom of the barrel in the SEC. SEC. They didn't even dream of signing five-star players or seeing the NCAA tournament. That just wasn't really an option for Auburn for a while. But now look where Auburn is. Auburn pulls top five, top ten recruiting classes. Auburn is pulling two seeds in the NCAA tournament. Auburn is winning SEC championships. That's what Auburn's doing. Auburn pulls top 100 players out of high school. And that's because of Bruce Pearl. And now, Auburn is starting to put guys in the NBA. Chumo Kiki, Isaac Okoro, those are the two guys that are there right now. And you've still got guys who are playing professional overseas. You've got guys who are playing in the lower levels of the NBA trying to survive and get their shot, right? So, is this something we're going to continue to see from Auburn basketball? We just kind of talked about who is there right now. Who's on the way? Who's going to be there this year and in the next couple of years? Why has Auburn become a destination spot for high school recruits and for transfer portal players? What needs to happen for this to continue, for Auburn to continue to put guys in the league? And then, how long can this go on? How long will we see Auburn consistently put guys in the NBA? Those are the topics we're going to kind of cover when it comes to this conversation. And so, Again, looking at the guys who are there right now, the two big ones, obviously, Isaac Okoro with Cleveland and Chuma Okiki with Orlando. And there's now a possibility that Jabari Smith could join Chuma in Orlando. I think that would be fantastic. That would be extremely cool if he could do that. But how long will those guys be successful? I think Chuma and Isaac can have long careers in the NBA. Are they going to be just the best players in the world, you know, winning MVPs and all of that? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I think they could both be very, very good role players. I think they can really be impact. You know, I use those terms a lot, but they can be impact players. No, they're not going to be MVP style of players, but... They can be threats on the floor and threats for their team. And when their teams begin to make runs, they can have a huge impact on that. I think Chuma and Isaac can both be those types of players. Now, down the road, when I think Orlando becomes good, you could see Chuma become that guy or Isaac in Cleveland, or if you see them go to another team, sure. But again, I don't see those two guys becoming just the faces of the NBA, especially with the young talent that's in there right now taking over as we speak with, you know, Jason Tatum and Giannis and Jimmy Butler and Luca, those types of guys. And I just don't know if I don't know if if Chuma and Isaac can can compete with those types of players, but they can still be big impacts on their current teams. And will their teams be good? I think Orlando will be, and Cleveland's on the rise, too. Cleveland's on the rise, too. So those two guys are making their mark in the NBA, and it's cool to see because they played at Auburn, right? But now, who's going to join them? Well, obviously, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler are going to join them in the NBA. We know Jabari will be a top-three pick, possibly number one. We know Walker's going to get drafted somewhere, We don't know for sure where he's going to be drafted. I think late first round, early second round. But those two guys will get drafted. But not just those guys. Who else could be joining Chuma and Isaac and Jabari and Walker in the NBA in the coming years from Auburn? Well, that really just depends. It really depends. But when you look at Auburn's current team right now, I think it would be easy to say that you would like to see Yohan Traore uh, make it to the NBA. You would like to see Janai Broom make it to the NBA. There was at one point Alan Flanagan was a first-round draft pick back before he got injured. He was projected in the late first round on the draft boards. I don't see him getting back to that point, but he was at one point, which is kind of cool to think about. Who else on Auburn's team? do you think can make it into the NBA in the next couple of years the guards I don't know if I had to pick one it would be Zeb Jasper because I think he is the best overall point guard that or guard that Auburn has right now but you're really looking at the bigs you're looking at Jani Broom and Yoan Traore those are the guys that you're looking at for Auburn to send to the NBA in the next couple of years and Will they all be successful? Those guys, Jabari and Walker. I already talked about Jabari and Walker, but those other two, that really, you just, you got to wait and see. You got to wait and see. But given Auburn's track record so far, you can say they've been successful, but they're not, again, they're not the faces of the NBA just yet. But Auburn can get to that point. Auburn's reps and Auburn's players can get to that point, I think. But it's going to take a little bit of time, right? Kentucky has sent so many guys to the NBA, but the first few that they sent weren't just the best players to ever walk the face of the earth. It took them a while, but now Kentucky has that reputation of if they come out of Kentucky and come through John Calipari, they're going to be a pretty good player. Auburn will get to that point, I think, with Bruce Pearl. When, when NBA execs and NBA teams see somebody on the draft board, even if they don't know a whole lot about them, they're going to see Auburn beside their name, and they're going to say, oh, wait a minute. He came from Auburn and Bruce Pearl. We need to check this guy out. I think Auburn's getting to that point. And that's because of Bruce Pearl. That's because of Bruce Pearl. And you want to talk about who gets the credit? It's him. Yes, the assistants, who have done a fantastic job recruiting in the portal, but got to give credit, and most of the credit, to Bruce Pearl because he's turned the program around. He's made Auburn a destination spot because Auburn gets wins, Auburn competes for championships, and Auburn is developing players. I think they need to be developing players better. I'll be honest. I think Auburn basketball needs to be developing players a little bit better, and you've got to be able to make changes in season But Bruce Pearl has made Auburn a destination spot. High-level recruits and high-level transfer portal guys, they put Auburn on their list for a reason. Because Auburn is a place that you can now go and get better as a player, get better as a person, compete for championships, and have a chance to go to the NBA. Ten years ago, Auburn wasn't anywhere near any of that, right? So now Auburn has gotten to that point. And Auburn has also gotten to the point of one and dones Jabari Smith one and done can you I mean think about that for a second Jabari Smith came to Auburn and is now a one and done the term and the process that Kentucky had mastered for years and years and years with the one and dones Auburn is now doing that not to that level just yet but Auburn has now got a one and done 10 years ago six or seven years ago would you have ever thought Auburn could have a one and done. I didn't. There's no shot. No way I thought Auburn could do that or become what they have become, turning guys into the NBA. Now, what has to happen is the guys that do get drafted into the NBA from Auburn, they've got to pan out and they've got to be successful. And they actually have to be good players in the pros because if they don't, then Auburn will get a bad rep. Auburn will get a bad reputation. And teams will start saying, wait a minute, he's from Auburn. Maybe we want to reconsider. Maybe we don't want him. I'm not saying that's where they're at right now. But if you constantly put guys in the NBA that flop and fall out and don't do anything, that's the reputation you will get. And so think about that type of pressure that's on Bruce Pearl and on the players. That's an extra level that they have to think about. It's true. It's true. And as Bruce Pearl and the coaching staff you, when you are sitting down and having these conversations with players, do you think you're ready for the NBA? You've got to be honest with them. You've got to be honest because you've got to think about your program as well. And you've got, you got to think about your players and say, I don't think you're ready, or I think you're ready, go be great. That's something you have to think about as well. Really, really, you know, just really, really deep thoughts on just sending somebody to the NBA from Auburn. But. What does Auburn need to do to continue to send guys to the NBA? You've got to continue to get high-level recruits, and you've got to continue to develop them. And you've got to get better at that. That's what I was just talking about. Yes, you've got to get the good recruits, obviously. You've got to get the best players in the country. Auburn is doing that, okay? Auburn's getting the best players in the country, and they will continue to do so. Auburn has done a pretty good job at development, right? Right? Jabari got better, I think. Walker came from North Carolina and got a lot better. And I think you're going to see the guards take a step up this year and get better, who transferred in, remember. That's what Auburn's got to do, but even more so because you can't just have mediocre guys go to the draft because they're not going to get drafted, or if they do and, and, pan, and don't pan out, again, negative towards your program. So Auburn has to continue to develop these players, make them top-level NBA prospects. If they want to continue to get high-level recruits, it's a big circle, right? It's a big circle. It's kind of like the circle of life. You, get, you start at the top, and you get the high-level recruit. You bring them to Auburn, and you start getting wins. Then you start developing them a little bit. They get better as a player. You send them to the NBA. They become successful, and then you start all the way back over. Then that high school kid says, wow, look at Jabari Smith. He went to Auburn. He was a one and done. Now look at him four years later. He's the face of the NBA franchise, the Orlando Magic, right? Now that high school recruit says, that could be me. Maybe I want to go to Auburn and start winning and getting better and going to the pros and, and being a successful NBA player, right? You think about it like that, that's how it works. Think about Alabama in football. That's what they do. Nick Saban walks into a house for a recruit and just opens up a binder with a picture of every football player that plays in the pros that played at Alabama with the amount of money that they make under them and just starts flipping. Just starts flipping the page, right? That's what you have to do if you're Auburn basketball. Same thing with football too, but with with basketball, this is the more relevant one because Auburn basketball is sending guys to the pros, and they're sending guys first round to the pros. But how do they continue to do that? develop good players, and develop successful players in the NBA. If you can do that, you're going to be good for a long time. Also, keep Bruce Pearl. That's a big part of it, but they did. They signed him. He's here until he wants to be. So that is not an issue. How long can this continue for Auburn basketball? How long can they continue to put guys into the NBA? As long as Bruce Pearl's there for sure. But then even after that, somebody's got to step in and continue to do that. But if Auburn gets that reputation, then as long as you hire a good coach, it doesn't matter. But you've got to keep the same standards and you've got to keep the same motivation behind it where your program is the place to go if you want to win championships and go to the NBA. You've got to build that reputation at Auburn. You're watching it happen in front of your eyes right now. The transition is happening right now. Yes, Auburn is good, but Auburn is going from good to great right now as we speak, and it's got to happen. And you're watching it with Jabari Smith, who will be a top three draft pick, with Walker Kessler, who could be a first-round draft pick. You saw last year and the last couple of years, Chuma and Isaac Okoro get drafted in the first round, and I think it will continue throughout the next few years. And I think Auburn can do this for years and years to come. Let's take a break, our final break of hour number two here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned, final take coming up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports, Central Alabama. Jacob Goins wrapping up the Wednesday edition of the show been a great show today if you missed any of it just search on the line wherever you get your podcast it'll be uploaded immediately following today's show so again just search on the line wherever you get your podcast stay tuned from four to six it'll be the drive with bill cameron and dan peck right here on espn 1067 and fox sports central alabama on 98.3 up through birmingham and silicauga again the drive with bill cameron and dan peck right here from four to six p.m it's been a great show. Again, we've talked a lot about the NBA draft lottery and projections for Jabari Smith, for Walker Kessler, what to expect from those two. And where I think they're going to go in the NBA. Are they going to be successful in the NBA? What What do they need to do to improve You know, improve themselves during their NBA career. We've talked a lot about that. So, again, if you missed any of today's show, we also had Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School football and baseball play by play announcer. We had him on during hour number one uh, to talk about the end of the Auburn High School baseball season. Also, preview the state championship between uh, hewitt trustful and central and also give us a little look into auburn high football what to expect from them and how they're going to look a little bit different next year as summer practices will be kicking off in just a few weeks their spring game is tomorrow so great interview with scott bagwell as well here on the wednesday edition of on the Line. And final take for today, we got about two minutes before we get out of here. Again, it'll be the drive right after me from four to six. But my final take for today is, again, it's related with Auburn basketball. And it's kind of reiterating what I said about Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler in the NBA. The NBA draft is not until late June, June 23rd. It's on a Thursday. And we expect Jabari to be a top three draft pick. My prediction is he's a he is the first overall pick in the NBA draft to the Orlando Magic. I also think Walker Kessler will be a late first, early second round draft pick. I think Jabari going to Orlando would be really really good. If Walker could pick one team to go to, I think it would be or in my opinion it should be the Golden State Warriors. I think that would be the best team for him to go to to develop himself. But when you talk about early predictions for the careers of Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, it's a harder path for Walker. Okay, we, we, you know We've mentioned that, and it is. It's a harder path for Walker. Jabari's a better player. He's going to have more playing time right off the rip. He's going to be the so-called face of a franchise as soon as he gets to the league. Jabari is going to be okay. He's got to develop some rim presence. He's got to get a little bit better at some other things, but Jabari is going to be just fine. Walker Kessler, on the other hand, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. Can he do it? Yes. But I don't think he lasts more than four or five years in the NBA. That's it. Wednesday edition of On the Line in the Books. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.